Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, I have another exciting message for you. This message is entitled, A New Life. We're going to talk about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, there is so much to this, and I don't want you to miss not one single part. As a matter of fact, you can go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org to hear the complete message and the series. I believe it's going to bless you richly. And while you are there, don't forget to sign up for Kingdom Inspiration. That's our free video and newsletter that is mailed out weekly and sometimes monthly. But you're going to get it and it's going to be a blessing to you. The sign up form is right there on the home page so you can't miss it. Sign up for Kingdom Inspiration today. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled A New Life right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Amen. All right, Romans, the fourth chapter. We'll be looking at two versions today, actually three versions of Scripture as we go throughout uh, our time together. We'll be looking at uh, looking at New Living Translation and also my favorite, and uh, my favorite of all times, the King James Version. Also, we'll be looking at uh, the voice, which is another translation. It's going to help bring out the flavor. It is my intent uh, to bring you the Word of God in such a way that everybody can understand. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and start off a word of prayer. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name for this time that you've given us to gather around your rich word. Father, we pray that today that every heart will be open and receptive. And Lord, that you would speak your word. Speak your word from heaven. Great Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us in such a way that all who hear will understand. And Lord, that we would all be changed, healed, delivered and set free. Now, Lord, lead us in your word today that we may grow thereby. We appreciate you so very much. In Jesus' name, let every heart that agrees say amen. amen. All right. Uh, first one is here, uh, Romans 4th chapter, verse 25, as we're speaking today uh, from the subject, speaking from the subject of a new life. Turn your neighbor and tell him, turn your neighbor and tell him, Jesus has given you a new life. Yes. And this is actually the start this is actually the start of our, our new series, and we're going to start it this morning. We were in the series entitled Unanswered Prayers, and we'll, we're going to continue with that series on Wednesday night, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, so it's going to be powerful. Uh, today's subtitle is That Old Life No More. Hallelujah. You'll get it as we go on. And here in Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 25, it says, He was handed over to die because of whose sins? our sins amen and he was raised to life to make us what to make us right with god amen this is the power of the resurrection someone asked well what's the big deal about jesus getting up on sunday morning what's the big deal about the tomb and what's the big deal about his death well he was raised for your justification he was raised so that you could be made right with god hallelujah and you're going to see a general theme throughout all the scripture that salvation is not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. You're going to see this today in Jesus mighty name. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is several fold and it means a whole lot to us today. And I want to bring some of these things to your attention. The power of the resurrection of Christ means that uh, the Lord has given you the ability to say 
yesterday, and you'll see this in a minute. He gives you the ability to let things go, to let an old life go. The power of the resurrection gives you the right to say, I was that, but I'm not that anymore. Hallelujah. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to stay what you're in. Uh, you can be forgiven and your sins can be completely washed away and you can start again. Isn't that awesome? Jesus gives you the power to say, I was that. I did do that. But I'm done with that. I got the T-shirt, got the hat, and I'm through with that. But now he's giving me a new life. Hallelujah. And I am completely forgiven. Amen. Jesus gives you the power, the resurrection, the proof of the resurrection. You'll see this is the power to divorce your old life. Isn't that awesome? Through his death, burial and resurrection. This gives us the born again believer, the power to divorce our old way of life and to become new in him. Hallelujah. So we can say again, I was that. I did do that, but I received that old life no more. Come on, help me out and say, no more. There you go. You got to put a neck in it. No more. Hallelujah. I'm done with that in Jesus' mighty name. As a matter of fact, here's one gentleman with a testimony. Paul, who was, uh, was named uh, Saul. Here's part of his testimony in, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse number 10, uh, the King James Version. Listen to, listen to how it reads here. It reads here in verse number 10, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 10. And it says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power of change. Say with me, he gives me the power of change. It gives me the power of change. The power to say that old life no more. Uh, hallelujah. First Timothy, the first chapter, verse 15 uh, through 16. This is how this reads out New Living Translation. First Timothy, the first chapter, verse 15 through 16 says this. This is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Here it is. Here's the saying. Jesus, rather, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. Some people say uh, that, you know, um, uh, Jesus can't save me because I have done too much. Well, Paul testifies here that he was the worst of them all. And King James said that he was the chiefest of sinners. Verse 16 says, but God, say, but God, I love that. But God uh, had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great uh, patience uh, with even the worst sinners. Then others will uh, realize that they, too, can believe in him and receive eternal life. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? No matter how bad your life has been, no matter how much wrong you have done, the Lord said that he can still save you. And Paul said, hey, I'm an example. If he can save me, he can save anybody. Are you hearing? Listen to uh, also Luke, the fifth chapter, Luke five, verses thirty one through thirty two. 
Also out of New Living Translation, and it says, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus said, that's who I've come for. I've come to call those who, not those who think that they are good or good enough, but I've come to call those who know they have a need for a savior, who know their lives is messed up or messed up, who know they have done wrong and who want to be made right in the sight of God. Jesus said, I've come for you. Hallelujah. I've come for you. And we use this example a number of times. And I want you to hear this. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I would come to church, uh, but I've done so much and I don't think that God can help me. I've done so much wrong. I can't come to church. And I was actually at a at a um, uh, at a public park and I was just out about just telling people about the Lord. And I saw a gentleman there on a bench and uh, he had a, a beer can in his hand. So I began to talk to him about Jesus and he looked at me quite puzzled and said, don't you see what I have in my hand? I said, yeah, what about it? Let me tell you what Jesus can do for you. Let me tell you how he can save and redeem your soul. What? Don't you see this? Yeah, what about it? Praise the Lord. The Lord is not into that. He's into your soul. He wants to save your soul, not your beer can. Are you hear what I'm saying? He wants, he's interested in you. Hallelujah. He's interested in you. Turn your name and tell him he's interested in you. Hallelujah. He has the ability to look beyond your faults and see the real you. He sees the real you. Through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we can proclaim death to the old life. Death to the old life of misery and pain and rejoice that he uh, has given us a new life so that we can live again. We call that the born again experience. Hallelujah. Well, he gives you a new life. Now let's look in the voice. I want you to hear uh, the voice translation of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, verses 21 through 24. Hallelujah. Now there's a common thread that I want you to see that the Lord is weaving in and out of here and you begin to see it. And this is the power of the resurrection that God is willing to give you a new life, give you a fresh start. Hallelujah. He's willing. Hallelujah. Uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 21 through 24. Listen to how this reads out of the voice translation. And it says, if you have heard Jesus and have been taught by him according to the truth that is in him, verse 22, then you know to take off. Say take off. Take off. Then you know to take off your formal, your former way of life. Your crumpled old uh, life, or rather crumpled old self, that dark blot of a soul. I like that, that old dark blot of a soul. Uh, corrupted by deceitful desire and lust. Verse 23, to take a fresh breath and to let God renew your, your attitude and spirit. Then you are ready to put on your new self, say new self. So we're taking off the old and we're putting on the new. Hallelujah. Then you can put on your new self modeled after the uh, modeled after the very likeness of God. Uh, trustful. Righteous, rather truthful, righteous and holy. Now, I want you to notice something. It says that our old life that we're taking off 
Our old life was corrupted by what? Deceitful desire and lust. Do you see that? Old life corrupted. That is before our life with Jesus. And if you have not been born again, that that's the life you're living right now. It is corrupted. It has been corrupted by deceitful desire and lust. And I'm going to show you this. The word corrupted means to be ruined. It means uh, to be destroyed. It means to be marred. Marred. I'm not sure if any of you have ever uh, tried to make pottery before. You're spinning pottery. You know, you're hitting the wheel and the thing is turning around like that. All that. Anybody done that before? Come on now. No. Or something. Oh, have you seen it on TV? All right. Praise the Lord. All right. We're good. We're good. We're good. You know, and in the hands of the potter, of the, of the potter, sometimes, you know, we can just make a mistake and it doesn't, doesn't have the correct shape that we want. Uh, it's marred. It, it's in a shape that is not usable anymore. Uh, all right. Has anybody ever played with Play-Doh before? Yeah. Oh, praise Jesus. We got agreement in here. We got agreement. Yes. Yeah, so you're trying to make it and you mess it up and you mess it up. The Bible says that our old life, our life before Christ is corrupted, corrupted. It's corrupted. It's of little use. It's it's marred. Now, if you compare that, somebody say, well, hey, pastor, my life is pretty good. I got a lot of money. I got a I got a nice car. I got a nice house. I think my life is pretty good. Well, in comparison to the new life that awaits you, it's corrupted. Are you hearing? The Bible says that that old life is corrupted with two things or corrupted, corrupted by um, deceitful desire and lust. The word deceitful uh, means, you know, lies and tricks. It means uh, things that really things that you thought were right, but you turned out, they turned out to be very wrong. You were deceived. It's deceitful. You ever, um, I don't know, I want to say, you ever tried to be in relationship with somebody you thought they were one way until you got in relationship with them and then you, you wish you had not gotten in relation with them? I can't get no talking here. Deceitful desire and lust. We, in, inside of every human being, we all have desire. Lust, the word lust simply means a strong, passionate desire for something. You're really going after something hard. And usually when, when, when we talk about lust, that simply means that you have desire, a desire that is so strong that you ignore all the warning signs. As people would say, you had your nose wide open. It's so wide open you can fly a 747 right up your nose. You ignore, have you ever wanted something so bad that you heard people say it's not good for you? They are not good for you. You shouldn't do this. You heard all these warning signs, but you did it anyway. I can't get no talk. Well, just keep looking straight ahead. So the Bible says that our old life was corrupted by this, corrupted by deceitful, uh, deceitful desires and lusts. Uh, it was corrupted by these um, things that we thought were one way, but it's another. So we've, we've run 
we uh, run from this person to that person thinking that's it. Run from that job to that job thinking that that's it. Run from the club to this club thinking that that's it. Running, um, you know, from different things, running from this uh, get rich quick scheme to that scheme running here and there trying everything trying a lot trying to find something something real something tangible so as a result of us running here and there what happens our life becomes marred uh, because we're looking for things one song said old country song Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many. Something, 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 and something's what I'm. Something, something dreaming of. Something, something, something looking for love. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. Praise the Lord. So what happens is that we've been led by our desires for a long time. We've been led by what the Bible calls sinful desires for quite a while. And anytime you are led by your sensual, sensual or sinful desires for quite a while, it's going to eventually mar or destroy your life. Anytime you are led by that, the Bible actually calls that sin. It calls it sin because after that, all of that stuff, you'll understand that um, uh, you'll be emotionally spent. Anytime you're being led and you try to get something, you can't get it. You become frustrated. It's a life of frustration. It's a life of aggravation. Uh, it calls you to lose friends. It calls you to be stressed out and worried. It calls you to lose your money. Yeah, it'll cause you to lose your money. We've all been deceived that way. Anybody not been deceived? Please show your hand up now. And we'll see the hand of a liar. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> we've always been deceived. We, we've been deceived. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hand up if you've been deceived before. Put a foot up too if you can. I've been deceived by people. I've been deceived by plans and this and that and the other. I have been deceived and I have paid a price. Lost money, bad credit, or whatever it is, lost it. Anytime that we have fallen to the tricks or traps of the enemy, it was called sin. And the word sin really means to fall short, to miss the mark. It means to error. To fall short of God's plan for your life. Are you hearing me? But Jesus came to free you from sin and all its nasty traps. Tell your neighbor, Jesus came to free you from sin and all its nasty traps. Y'all didn't say it. You say, you say, say it with me. Jesus came to free me, free me from, sin from sin and all its nasty traps. Nasty traps. There you go. You got to say it like you from here, from the uh, uh, country. <clears throat> this is not quite the hood here. So, what what is hood and and the woods? Hood and country. I don't know. Hood country. I don't know. Praise the Lord. But Jesus came to free us from all of that. Hallelujah. 
so that we can truly say that life no more. Praise the Lord. That life no more. I like you can even say to your old life, Jesus gives you the power to say, um, you know, talk to the hand. I'm not in that anymore. Talk to the hand because the ear is not listening. Uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Now, some would say sin can be fun. Some would say sin can be fun. Is it fun to sin? Oh, come on now. Give me a break. Uh, come on, wall. Tell me, is it fun to sin? The wall says yes. When you're in it, when your flesh gets to do what you want to do, you can be enjoyable for the moment. But sin is just like fishing. That devil will dangle a hook in front of your face. And that worm tastes so good for the minute. Until you feel the, um, on the roof of your mouth, you feel a, a very sharp point at something and he begins to pull you in. But for the moment, it, that little worm tastes good. It feels gratifying. It feels satisfying. Look, because you were swimming along. Doing what fish do. Trying to find some food trying to find some comfort, trying to find some satisfaction. When all of a sudden, I don't believe this. There's a worm right there in my face. It's my blessed day. I've been swimming around here all night, hadn't found anything. And look, it's right there. So you take a bite little nibble now the other end the fisherman goes oh, oh I got something wait a second got something reel it in a little bit let him fight for it and so the more you pull the deeper the hook gets in you and when the devil's hook gets in you when he hooks you on something I'm not sure if anybody has been hooked on something before when you're hooked on something you spend money when you don't have the money You'll stay up a lot longer than you plan it to stay up. You'll drive a whole lot farther than you plan to drive. You'll do whatever you have to do to get the fix that you need when you're hooked on something. When you're hooked on something or even when you're hooked on somebody. What would you do for Don't worry about it. Don't worry, don't worry. No. Just, don't, just don't worry about it. Sin is like a drug, but it has harmful side effects. It has harmful side effects. It'll make you feel good for just a little while, but it will drive you crazy and drive you wild. Can't you see for yourself what these drugs are doing? Come on. Which is another song, but I don't know. It's, it's song today. Don't worry about it. It's song day. It's all right. Side effects of these drugs are and can include a destroyed marriage, loss of a job, 
loss of respect of your children, loss of respect of parents uh, in the eyes of their children. I mean, loss of, we can lose respect for each other. Of course, all your money, uh, the effect of this sin drug cost, has cost preachers their churches, has cost presidents their offices, has cost princes their kingdoms, has cost prime ministers their cabinet, and it has kept the poor in poverty. The cost of sin, but it tastes so good, but its effects are devastating. Mankind is weak to sin and temptation, and you don't stand a chance without Jesus. How many times have you decided, I'm not going to do this? And you made up in your mind, I'm not going to do this. I am not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to call them anymore. When they text me, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not answering your phone calls because you know where that road leads to. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And you focus your attention. You're not going to do it only to turn around and do it anyway. Somebody say amen. amen. You said no, but your body said yes sin and we fall into these traps and we fall into these snares and even right now because of because it sin is so prevalent in our society and around the world it is beginning and you can see the effects of sin on the news as man begins to turn on himself trying to gratify himself this is why you have rapes and and robberies and all these things this is why you have uh children growing up and getting hooked on something and stealing from mama's purse and you have fathers who go home and kill their families and then turn the gun and kill themselves something's wrong with humanity it is something that is ingrained in us this thing can also be generational. It can be passed down from great-grandmama to, to, to grandmama to mama to child. And you'll see the same things throughout the entire family line until someone in the family line stands up and declares that the blood of Jesus washes my family line, that the blood of Jesus purges this family line, and it stops with me, and it shall go no further. Because it will proliferate through the entire bloodline. You'll see it. You'll see it. But Jesus, again, gives you the power over the past. And he gives you the ability to say that life no more. Are you hearing? This is the power of the resurrection. Now, let me tell you something else about sin. Something that some of you may not really have known. Here's something very um, very intelligent. Here it is. Take a picture. You'll see this intelligent statement. Here we go. Sin is bad. Thank you, Gene. That was a good job, wasn't it? It's bad. How many of you would agree that it's bad? How many of you would agree that each time you've done it, you've regretted it? You may not have regretted it at the moment when you slapped them <laughs> or when you cursed them out. You may not have agreed at that moment, but later on, it has a nasty aftertaste. Are you hearing? 
and it always has a backhand. You slap with one hand, it's, the other one is coming right back around and it's about to pop you. Are you hearing? But Jesus came to save you from that. You don't have to be destroyed by sin. As a matter of fact, Christ gave you a new life free from it. Free from it. And we're going to show you this in the word of God today. Are y'all still with me today? Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans 6. Let me show you some things here as we begin to close today. Romans the sixth chapter. Let me show you this. Romans 6 verses 20 through 23 are the New Living Translation. This is how it reads here. When you were slaves to what? Sin. Oh, this is one of the effects of sin here as well. You, you, can, you can become its slave. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. Matter of fact, everybody just look straight ahead right now. Then nobody will know. If I ask the question, have you ever been a slave to sin? Just look straight ahead. When you're a slave to something, that means that that something will pull you the way it wants to pull you. And against, again, your better judgment, you will go. The Bible says, I love this, when you were, say were. Oh, it's talking to the born again believer. Hallelujah. We can, we can shout and jump right there. Hallelujah. When you were, I love that word were. It's past tense, Patricia. It's past tense. When you were, say were. When you were uh, slaves to sin. He said, when you were slaves to sin, you were free uh, from the obligation to do right. Verse 21. But what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Anybody? Once ashamed of the things we used to do. We call them in these days skeletons in the closet. If those skeletons ever come out that closet, Lord Jesus, help us. But the blood of Jesus washes that all away. Amen. He said, uh, you are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. Verse 22. But now you are free. Say, I'm free. Now, here's a hearing in the power of the resurrection. See this. But now you are free from the power of sin. Hallelujah. Now, here's God's word proclaiming this over your life. God says you're free. We may look at our lives and what we did last night and last week and said not free, but God said that you are free. He said he has freed you. He said uh, you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves, slaves of God. That is now God is controlling and ruling your life if you're born of God, if you're born again. Hallelujah. I'm free from the power of sin. It does not control me. Hallelujah. I can get off of that train. Hallelujah. There's no hook in my mouth. There's no hook in your mouth. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, this is so. I'm not sure if you've ever seen someone or ever known someone that was always ruled by their flesh or by their sensual desires. That person is trouble. That person is doing a lot of turning up. And saying for what? That's all they're doing is turning up. Their life is built around turning something up, turning up and turn up, turn up. And they don't care about the consequences because their mind is out the door and they're only trying to seek to gratify their bodies. And that's a bad day. You are not an animal. 
But what sin desires to do is to awaken an animal type desire in you where you will lose your mind and go only after your impulses. Are you hearing? That's a bad day. But Jesus said he has freed you from the power of sin and and have become slaves of God. He says, now you do those things. I love that. Now say now. Oh, look at the contrast here. He says, now say now. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life, not eternal doom anymore. Hallelujah. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus Jesus has set you free from the power of sin he has disconnected you from its control from its dominion from its rule I pray if you hear me you understand this because understand just because it is written in the word of God does not mean it will become truth in your life until you receive it and accept it Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the uh, rose uh, from the dead thousands of years ago But when did it become true to you? When did it become applicable to you? When you received it, when you heard it, received it, and believed it, and you began to walk in it. Then it became true. I knew a person that, um, well, as the story goes, they inherited over $10 million. But they were living in squalor, living, living in a a small home, dirt floors and this and the other, living, living in extreme poverty. But they just inherited over 10 million dollars. Isn't that something? Then their name was on the roll. Their name was on the roll. They inherited 10 million dollars. It was real money. It was a real thing. The lawyers were real. All of that was real. Paperwork was real. They were now a millionaire, but they were still living in abject poverty. Can you imagine that? The money was wired to their account. $10 million in the account, in your bank account, in your name. Can you understand that? But they were still living with dirt floors trying to find money to get food you say how is that possible how is that possible because listen they had it and it was there but they didn't receive it they didn't learn of it they didn't take advantage of it and take it in and begin to utilize it just because the money is there does not mean that you'll automatically automatically go into a wealthy place no, because you've got, to, if it's there in the bank, then you got to write some checks. Then you got to get the debit card and so forth and so on. Then you got to make a withdrawal. Just because it is there doesn't mean your life will immediately change. You've got to do something about what is there. Does that make sense to you? You can know all the secrets in the world of this and that and the other, but if you never put it to use, if you never apply what you know, what good is it to you? Are you hearing? Let me give you this another example. I've told you about this as well. There was a show called uh, Unclaimed Money. Unclaimed Money. There was a homeless man uh, in the streets of New York. He died of starvation in the uh, back alleys of New York. And as the coroner came, as the police came to pick up the body, somebody found his dead body. As they came to pick him up, they looked through his effects. They looked through all these personal items. And they found a belt on him. And what the coroner realized, uh, or the, optop- the, uh, the person doing the autopsy, is they realized 
they saw the belt and they, somebody knew it was a money belt. Inside that money belt that was around his waist was $50,000 in cash. $50,000 in cold, hard cash around his weight, around his waist. So they guessed that he must have picked it up somewhere. Must have picked it up in the back alley somewhere and thought that it was just something nice. So he put it on. But can you imagine someone dying of starvation in the middle of some alley wearing $50,000 around their waist? You can have the answer right with you and not know what it is and not know how to apply it. If someone had told that man, man, you got $50,000 around your waist. If you just open it up and use it, your broke days are at least for now over. Tonight you can eat and eat good. What I'm telling you is that all these scriptures, all these things mean is that Jesus has given you the answer in your money belt. And I'm trying to get you to open up and see what's already there. You don't have to stay in what you're in. God's not come to you. He's not looking for you with a, with, a, with a bolt of lightning in his hand coming to strike you down and trying to kill you. No, what's on God's heart right now is that you would come home. Is that you would come home. He has already made a way for your sins to be completely and totally forgiven. He has already made a way for you uh, to divorce an old life of sin and guilt and shame and being emotionally devastated. Some of us don't want others to know, but sometimes we cry and don't know why. Sometimes we can be depressed and not know why. Are you hearing? It's because of sorrow of the soul. You're grieving in the soul. And Jesus has come to free you from a life of misery and bring you to a, to a new life in him. This is the power of the resurrection. Are you hearing me? Let's look at one more scripture before we close out today. Let's look at 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John, the third chapter. Let's look at uh, verses 7, 8, and 9. I want to show you this before we close out today. Are you hearing me? Are you getting anything out of this today? 1 John, the third chapter, verses 7, 8, and 9. Out of the New Living Translation, once again, it reads like this. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. Verse eight. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to who? The devil. When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to, to the devil. Why is that? It says it here. Who has been sinning since the beginning? We'll stop there right there for a second. The cycle of sin can only be broken through Christ. Let me say that again. The cycle of sin can only be broken through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The cycle of sin can only be broken through Jesus Christ. We've already said a moment ago that many of us already agree that sin is bad. And that every time we've done it, we've regretted it. We know that it can destroy marriages. It can destroy families. It can cause you to lose your money, lose your job. It can cause you to end up in jail and eventually end up in hell. Sin, not good. Sin, bad. But in the human race, we are weak to sin. 
If we were say we, if we were Superman, we would say that it would be our kryptonite. There are some things that you are just innately weak to. The Bible calls it the sin that so easily besets us. There is something or some circumstance that when it presents itself to you, you fall to it. You're weak to it. Only Christ can give you the ability through his word and through his spirit to overcome that thing that has been overcoming to you. Are you hearing? Listen to verse 8 again. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who, who has been sinning since the beginning. But, I love the word but there. Sometimes the best parts come after the but. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that powerful? I tell you, told you Jesus came to save you from your sins. It says, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Why is that, Lord? Let me read that again. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Say fact. That means that the line of sin, the control or power of sin over your life has been cut, has been destroyed. Again, those who have been born, or we say born again, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's life is in them. That is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God now lives on the inside of you. Goes on to say, so they can't. Say can't. Are you hearing? Say can't. So they can't keep on sinning. Why? Because they are children of God. Are you hearing this? So it says again, those who keep on sinning, those who make a practice of sinning, those who cannot stop the cycle don't belong to God. But when you become born, born of God, born to the family of God, when you give Jesus Christ your life and see him as master, Lord, Messiah and Christ, Jesus then comes inside in the form of his Holy Spirit and he breaks the power and authority of sin off of your life. Chop. He completely destroys sin's reign and rule over your life. Well, some say, well, pastor, how is it so? Because I've seen people come to church for years and they're still practicing it. I still see them in the club every Friday night. As a matter of fact, I dance with a few of them in the club and it's like they keep on going. I would say to you, they, according to the word of God, aren't born of God. Some can just come to church but coming to church does not make you a Christian. Just like you sitting in a garage does not make you a car. So you can say vroom, vroom all you want to, but I am not deceived. 
You have to believe in Christ as Savior and Lord. You have to see him as Christ, as the son of the living God, the Savior of the world, and receive him into your life. And then he comes in in the form of his Holy Spirit. God's life is then on the inside of you. And then he gives you power and authority over the power and authority of sin. He destroys the works of the devil over your life. And then you can then live again. You have a choice whether you want to live for the enemy or live for God. Hallelujah. Someone said, well, I just can't help myself. I just can't stop myself. I know why. You have not been born of God. You have not been born into the family of God. Are you hearing? Let me give you one more scripture before we close out today. This really caps it here in Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. Are you all still with me today? Praise the Lord. Listen to this. It says, once you were, say were. I love that. I love that past tense. I love that past tense. I remember what I used to be. I remember what I used to do. And guess what? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. Hallelujah. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Verse 2. You used to live in sin. I love that used to. I love the past tense. Are you hearing? You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Anybody? Come on. Anybody? He says, uh, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. I love that. I'm going to dance on that. Come on. Stir the soup. Stir that soup. He said, all of us used to live that way. But thank God I live that way no longer. Hallelujah. My life is not under the control of the devil. It's under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody said, I always got problem with demons. You better check up and see if you're under the control of the devil. You'll have, you, listen, you'll always have problem with flies as long as you got poop in your house. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You cannot get rid of the flies until you get rid of the poop. Get rid of the poop and the flies go with it. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Let's go on. He said, uh, he is a spirit uh, at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse three, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Hallelujah. Verse four. But God say, but God say, I, I love the, but tell you the best thing come after the, but telling you say with me, but God, but God is so rich in mercy. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, we, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I love that. Verse 6, 
For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us uh, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Now, verse 8 and 9, we're really stop here today. I don't want any of you to accuse me of being a Waffle House preacher. Why are you looking at me like that? You don't know what that is? Somebody who never closes. And we're about to close with verse 8 and 9. Are you with me? Say, preach on, preacher. Verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you start doing the right thing. God saved you by his grace when you stop sinning. God saved you by his grace when you stop drinking. God saved you by his grace when you stop shacking up. God saved you by his grace when you stop spitting outside on the grass. God saved you by his grace when you stop with your bad habits. When did God save you by his grace? The Bible says when you believed. He said he saved you when you believed. Now here's the thing. And hear me now. Here's the thing. Many people think that God will save you after you stop doing what you're doing. But here's a newsflash for you. If you could stop doing what you're doing, you wouldn't need Jesus. I think I will say that again. Thank you, Deaconess. If you could stop doing what you're doing, you would need Jesus. How many of us have tried to stop some things in our lives? You knew it was wrong and you tried to stop it. I knew a young man who said, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop. I told you a story before. He said, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. And he got a calendar and he, and he wrote down an X so he could track his progress as to when he did something and decided he wasn't going to do it anymore. He said, that was the last X. But when the month was over, he had X's, X's all in that calendar. <laughs> he was focusing so much on not sinning, on not doing this, not doing that. All that focus simply calls him to do it even more. The purpose of Christianity is not to make you stop sinning. Oh, I'm, I'm, that landed pretty well. Uh, the baby is clapping. Praise God. I saw the baby clapping. The baby understands. The purpose of Christianity is not to make you stop sinning. If your purpose in being in the church is to stop sinning, you've missed it altogether. Because understand something, the more you grow and mature in Christ, the less you'll do that. The closer you get to Jesus, the, the further you get from the other thing. When I was coming up, I told you I had a G.I. Joe doll. I'm sorry, action figure. 
Me and G.I. Joe went everywhere together. He had a, he pressed the button and he had a carotid chop. But we chopped down some trees, me and G.I. Joe. We were inseparable. You saw G.I. Joe, you saw me, me and G.I. Joe. He even had this little grip in his hand like this. And I would put a string tied to the top end of the staircase, to the bottom end of the staircase. And I said, here we come, G.I. Joe. I put his hand on the string and he, he slid down there. Boy, I'm telling you, all the way to the bottom of the steps and we destroyed the enemy and we said hey let's do it again Joe and so we came all back up and we we slid down again G.I. Joe and we went on down and we did that all the time all the time all the time but when I was a child I thought as a child but when I grew older I put away childish things now did mom and daddy make me stop playing with G.I. Joe no I just more mature, the less I play with it. The more I mature, the less I wanted it. So the purpose is, I'm not telling you today, stop playing with your G.I. Joe. I'm telling you, it's time to mature. And the closer you grow to Christ, the closer you grow in him, the more you grow in him, the less you want to do those things. That's the proof of Christianity, a changed life. Are you hearing? Let's go ahead and finish up. Verse eight says, um, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Listen, it said you and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse nine. Salvation is not a reward for what? For the good things you have done. You've heard people say, I'm trying to get into heaven, so I'm doing something good. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So none of us, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we uh, can do the good things he planned for us so long ago. God will save you today. That's the power of the gospel. You can be changed. You don't have to go back to the place you were in. You don't have to live that old life anymore. That's riddled with doubt and insecurities. That's riddled with uh, emotional baggage. That's riddled with stress and grief and torment. The Lord Jesus came to deliver you from that. So now the choice is yours. He's offering you a new life apart from anything you've done. All you have to do is receive it. In short, there's a money belt around your, around your waist. Will you open it up? Will you open it up and use what he's given you and become new again? I pray you heard the word of God today. If you have, give Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed today's message right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Remember, if you would like to hear this message in its entirety, all you have to do is just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org and click on the media button and select today's message. And while you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for the Kingdom Inspirational Video Blog. We're going to send you short inspirational clips that will bless you on a weekly basis. So sign up today right there at kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. And if you're in the Bremen area, come on and stop by and visit us in a live service. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. 
Give us a call at 770-537-1933. Remember, Sunday morning is at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night starts at 7 o'clock. We'll be so glad to see you. Well, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.